Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. We've got a lot of great things that we're going to talk about today, including what happened with the EPA and E15. Was it some pressure from the Midwest governors? Was it pressure just from agriculture in general? But some good news for consumers, especially when we want to save on that pocketbook. We'll look at some crop conditions, what's happening as we get ready to jump into the month of May, where we're at when it comes to planning progress as well. Add to it, China's back in the market doing some buying. We'll talk about that, Ukraine grain movement, and a whole lot more on this week's episode. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. And welcome back. As you can see on the screen, Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics and Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. And as we take a look at what's happening within the market trade, Mike, I want to start with you and talk a little bit uh, first off about EPA uh, coming out. E15 is it's it's some good news for consumers. Great news for agriculture. Yeah, it's really nice news when you have a nine dollar Gulf of Mexico price for cash corn and you're getting a little bit more worried about rationing demand. And as you said, China came in and bought this week, which is really nice to see, Susan. But this domestic demand boost that we've been hoping for, I think it came about a month early. I think the mindset, at least I had, was EPA would probably look at it around June 1st, not around May 1st. And this was also followed up with eight governors in the Midwest coming in and saying and asking and requesting the EPA to do a permanent E15 blend. And that would be really good demand news and really kind of secure the corn basis, not for just the spot basis for the summertime, but maybe bring up the early fall and and the post harvest time period as well. So it's a it's a spread. It's a basis piece of news, in my opinion, um, with made delivery now in play. Uh, I'd like to see that may continue to lead the corn higher and that spread to stay very strong. Sam, what for? What about for you? As you look at this announcement from the EPA, how do you see it affecting the markets? You know, it's definitely a, you know good, especially from a PR standpoint. You know, the the, the immediate effects I think are going to be a little bit negligible. You know, keep in mind, you know, a lot of these stations still will still have to completely retool. It'll take some time for this to for the rubber to really hit the road. Uh, in the meantime, I don't know that it matters a whole lot though. I mean, we've got strong organic demand. Our, our demand for ethanol and and blend stock is going to remain good. When you look at uh, crude oil. Uh, prices, uh, you know, 100 to 105, as long as we stay in that range or higher potentially into the summer driving season, I think no matter what, we're going to have a, you know, kind of an underpinning in this market. When you look at our ethanol stocks week to week, we've had four or five straight weeks in a row uh, of, of stock drops. And, and I think that's just reflective of that good demand. Uh, and it's happening a little bit earlier uh, than normal as we head into that time frame. So uh, these processors, I think the only thing that slows them down is, is if you get into this summer and, and it's July heading into August and you still have you know, eight to eight fifty plus cash corn. They're going to be looking at for a reason to shut down for maintenance at a harvest. Do you think, uh, from a consumer standpoint, they understand the difference between E10 and E15? I wish I could say a confident yes. You know, there's been so much campaigning against it. You know, there's uh, still people that think if you put it in your engine, your engine is going to corrode and, and destroy your car and stuff like that. So I think. You know, ha- having a, an open mindset or an open door, I guess, for for some education about it, I think is helpful. But 
call me cynical or, or jaded, but uh, you know, it just seems like ethanol's got a glass ceiling in Washington, no matter how you cut it. All right, let's talk. Speaking of ceilings, a lot of folks have been talking about what's happening crop-wise. We've received some beneficial rains finally in the Western Corn Belt. You guys in the Eastern Corn Belt have had rain, and you said before the start of this program, uh, the com- or combines, the planters. <laughs> I'm moving ahead a little faster. The planters <laughs> are, are definitely rolling. Yeah, they certainly are, and, and we've been wet for the better part of the last four weeks, quite honestly. But I, out of that time frame, I think there's only been one. Uh, single rain event that's been more than about a half inch at a time. And so when you have a tenth, two tenths, three tenths, even four tenths here and there, and the 20 or 30 mile wind behind it, uh, it just doesn't stick around long. And so the only thing we were trying to get around and navigate were those cool temperatures. We still had, uh, you know, sub freezing temperatures overnight last week. As soon as guys saw the forecast warm up a little bit, the bigger farmers, they had to get going, they had to get started. What they didn't know is we've been able to dodge a few rains here and there in between. Uh, and the conditions have just been phenomenal. So they've gotten a lot further along than what they thought. Uh, in fact, I just uh, talked to a, a couple customers who said they're they're getting to be 80% done with beans and, and almost two thirds with corn. And I think it's potential if we miss these rains again today, they could be done before uh, some other people can get started. Got some optimism then? Definitely, uh, but I think it's regional. You know, Nebraska is just the same. Talked to a lot of guys that are getting done with beans. Some people haven't started yet. Getting in the northern plains, they're still obviously very wet from the blizzard conditions and rainfall they've had on top. So uh, the next couple of weeks are going to say a lot, but I uh, really want to see what kind of progress we make over the next couple of weeks in, in the I states and the, the larger producing states. All right. Well, as we continue with the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, we're going to switch gears and jump to the Western Corn Belt and, and specifically look at, at Kansas South. And Mike, you and I have had this conversation before. Wheat has been a struggle. And even though some call it a weed and has nine lives, I think they've used up nine plus already. Yeah, you know, you get west of Hutchinson, Kansas, especially, and, and, and more west of Wichita, Sedgwick County, one of the top three hard red wheat production state, uh, parts of the state. It really starts to go downhill. One of my clients near Goodland, Hayes area, told me this week that it's definitely the worst in five years. If he doesn't get any rains, it's going to be the worst in 15 to 20. So I describe the wheat crop as a knife's edge and, type, and trying to dovetail what Sam was just talking about. We're running really extra hard out here because of the dryness. We're putting it in in the dust, expecting the rains to fall. So everyone's running hard right now, Susan. And I think this is where Monday's crop progress report could be a little bit of a disappointment to the Corn Bowl if we jump over 20% planted because we came in at seven this week and the high number was 12. I don't think anybody was expecting that low of a number uh, to be to be this Monday's number. So. I think the wheat really needs to pick it up as far as returning as the leader to the upside just because we're getting more corn planting. So that's something to really watch out in the short term, in my view. You know, and the optimism, if you want to see anybody that's optimistic, look at a farmer and that old saying about planting the dust and the bins will be a bust. We'll have to see what happens come harvest time. Yeah, and this is where it goes back to if we get it planted securely by May 15. The trade won't be worried about USDA's national yield of 181, but I'm already worried about USDA's wheat yield of 49 bushels. And if you took five bushels off that, you'd be down around a 500 million bushel carryover. You'd be down around a stocks to use ratio of 27%. That is super tight domestically over the last 10 years. So supply demand wise heading into the May reports, I still think wheat has some questions that need to be answered. I want to know your thoughts on China as well. We saw them make some purchases. We had some rumors earlier in the week, and there was some truth to those rumors. Nice to see them back doing purchases. 
Yeah, and was this because they knew that the E15 announcement was coming, or was it because of South America and their weather problems in southern Brazil, or a combination of both? Regardless of which, that is a really nice piece of demand news, and it is especially important that, as I said before, we're running about a $9 Gulf of Mexico corn price, so is China going to keep buying? Yes, if they can't find substitutes. No, if they can find substitutes. So these weekly export sales in the next two or three weeks are going to be super important, if you ask me. And that lockdown that continues in China is a big frustration. Yeah, there's some really good investment bankers and, and really big time uh, analysts out there suggesting that they're going below 4% growth, not just below 5% growth, but you go below 5% and historically China sees mass unemployment and a lot of problems. So I think this is where Russia and China have locked arms together. They're not going to unlock arms unless the leaders uh, are not the leaders in the, in the near future. Sam, how do you see this COVID lockdown that's been happening in China having an effect on our protein sales here in the States? Well, you know, they, they certainly got an appetite for beef after you know, coming off the PED situation and, and just COVID, uh, you know, demand rebound and everything. Our exports have still been pretty good. I would expect that to remain uh, that way. But, you know, the concern is kind of for the forward curve that if you slow demand down that, you know, that much for that long, uh, when are you going to start to feel that? And I think we've seen maybe the front end of that fear in the hog market this week. A lot of selling going on there, uh, you know, mass liquidation. Now, do cash prices fall as fast as what we've seen in the futures? Probably not. So at some point, you know, I would expect us to, to grab hold in here. But I think that's just, uh, you know, kind of an example of how that can start to unfold eventually. But the Board of Trade right now is more concerned about weather, um, you know, as Mike has alluded to, domestic processing demand. There's just no reason. The price really doesn't matter right now. It, make it seven, eight, nine dollars ten dollars they're going to buy it. They got their output booked. And if they've got a margin, they're going to continue to use it till you have to shut down. It seems like the markets have just moved on to something new. And that's the weather. Not been a lot of chitter chatter about Ukraine. Uh, what are you hearing when it comes to grain movement out of Ukraine right now? You know, there is some talk that, uh, you know, they've they've been able to find some sort of uh, export capability, whether via rail. Uh, saw some uh, announcement about a, a, a vessel being loaded as well. So I think there's some growing optimism that if there's a will, there's a way in terms of getting grain out. And I think that's very important just because if they are able to harvest, regardless of what happens with this conflict, if they're able to get to harvest, they need to get rid of some of these uh, inventories that haven't been able to be exported anyways to make sure they have a place locally to go with it if they can get in the field. So just a lot of moving parts here still. The, the longer it goes on, uh, you know, the longer the ramifications. And, and like Mike said, uh, you know, if you start to see the world come after our wheat carry out, carry out or if there's reason to, we're still kind of the bottom of the barrel you know, it's, it's going to be a big warning shot. So uh, right now we're still 35 percent, you know, stocks to usage. So we got plenty sitting around, but uh, we can't export it right now. We'll just see if we eventually will have to. So, Mike, do you think the novelty I hate to use novelty and war together, but do you think the novelty of it is kind of wore off with the markets and they're just we'll see what happens. It's going to be here for a while. I think the trade has looked at the weekly export sales the last three or four weeks, Susan, and determined that the demand rationing is occurring effectively. They've taken the prices high enough. The dollar is at a 20-year high. It's at a 20-year high against the Japanese yen, so the Asian market is suffering from that. I think the cycle, the psychology of the demand side has weakened, and Ukraine hasn't been able to bolster it because of the supply side. I, I do. I still think, at the end of the day, we've got an issue with their quantity of plantings, and I still think you're going to be down about a third in barley and corn and, and some of these key numbers. You're just going to have to wake up to that at some point. Lots of great things that we talked about, gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank you. Thanks for having us. 
Mike Zuzel has been joining us with Global Commodity Analytics and Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. I want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable for all investors. That's this week's version of the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff.